0: Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top of the line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
1: So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple: is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Aaron Butler is the terrestrial program director for the Kingman region for the Arizona Game and Fish Commission. I believe I got that correct. Aaron, I apologize if I didn't. But Aaron was one of the recipients of a pronghorn antelope transfer from Utah DNR to the Arizona Game and Fish Commission. This is a project that Blood Origins got involved in. We stepped up and found money through the Wildlife Education Center at Legends Ranch. So huge shout out to Robert Sergi and the Wildlife Education Center at Legends Ranch. And we also sent a phenomenal cinematographer, Ben Christensen from the state of Arizona on this mission. And we really wanted to just help. We just asked Arizona Game Fish Commission, is there a project that we can help you with? And the commission, as well as Clay Crowder, Josh Avey, Amber Munich, they all came back and said, Hey, we've got this antelope transfer. These antelope are going to go under depredation permits in the state of Utah. And they said, Do you want them? Arizona said, Absolutely. And so we helped. And this conversation with Erin is just a podcast component of that project. If you've been following along through our social media feed, we've been dropping photographs about the capture, and we will be dropping a very short film about what went down in Utah and Arizona. So enjoy. This is Erin's first podcast. She's a little nervous, but she did fantastic. So, one of the things that has happened. Uh, with Blood Origins as we've grown is that there are things that we want to do. Oh no, let me recouch that things that I want to do and I cannot be present for it because day job and other uh, life events get in the way. And uh, this one, I really wanted to be on. Um, Have you, let me, let me start this, because I, I typically do a terrible job of introducing people. I just start having conversations with people. So Aaron Butler, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone, and then we can tell you exactly why, tell everyone why we have you specifically on today.
2: All right. My name's Aaron Butler. I'm the Terrestrial Wildlife Program Manager for the Kingman region of the Arizona Game and Fish Department.
1: Uh the Kingman region is a very important region specifically for this project because uh Arizona Game and Fish Department just successfully relocated antelope from Utah into your area. Yes sir. How many antelope came into the Kingman area? And by the way, Aaron, yes sir, that I'm not a sir number 1, and 2, this is an audio medium that you just have to sort of be more expressive in your in your responses.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> so we translocated 33 pronghorn into the 18A game management unit for the Kingman region. That's south of Seligman, Arizona. And uh, they, they were about 15 miles south of Seligman.
1: Yeah. And uh, this is one of our conservation projects from a blood origins perspective. We like to get our hands involved in sort of direct conservation implementation. And we have a very good relationship that we have created with Arizona Game and Fish Department. Uh, we had the commissioners on, on the whole uh, trail camera controversy. Right. We had all of the, <laughs> the sides uh, on that on those podcasts. And then um, I've since spoken to Clay Crowder and Josh A.V. And I told them, I said, look – you know, we're very much interested in helping. If you guys have a need, let us know. Damn. And Clay called me up like, gosh, I think it was like December the 5th. It okay. could have even been December the 15th. And said, hey, Robbie, we have this uh antelope project. Oh, great. Sounds great. What are you trying to do? He was like, well there's some antelope in Utah that are going to be under a depredation permit and we want to move them. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, how much money are we talking about? He told me the money. And I said, okay, what are we saying? Five months time, six months time. He's like, no, six weeks. I said, Clay, you want me to raise that much money in six weeks? (laughs) And uh, I said, let me see what we can do. Let's see what we can do. And, um, yeah, so we raised a little bit of money for Arizona Game and Fish Department. So all the collars that are on your antelope, um, we paid for, Blood Origins paid for, and not just Blood Origins. We had a very um a great donor step up, the Wildlife Education Center at Legends Ranch, actually up in Wisconsin.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Um,
1: funded the the collars to go onto um onto the antelope. So just that's i I I've already just jumped like a thousand steps forward. Maybe we we'll take a couple of steps back. Erin, can you give everyone an idea of like how this project came to fruition? How were you involved? Um, why did they select the Kingman unit? That kind of stuff.
2: Okay. Um, so in the Kingman area, we've been thinking about Pronghorn and the future of Pronghorn for many years. We have some units up here where the Pronghorn are getting trapped by development And so we were like, what are we going to do with these pronghorn in the future when they can't live where they're at anymore? So the region's been working on a plan in several other units, including 18A, where we could open up more habitat for pronghorn. Um, What does
1: that mean, open up more habitat for pronghorn?
2: It basically means going in and removing junipers. So we take a big machine that's got a drum grinder on the front of it, and it plows over a juniper. And grinds it up into little pieces like mulch, and then it kind mm-hmm. of spits that out on the landscape. It creates micro-clima- microclimate habitats for the, the things underneath, and the seedbed regrows, and we get grass and forbs that we didn't used to have there. We're restoring grassland habitats where these pronghorn typically, historically had been, and now there's junipers.
1: Are there are there pronghorn in eighteen? or let me ask this: Were there pronghorn in eighteen A prior to the relocation?
2: Yes, yes, there were. Um, the numbers have been going down um, due to the drought and predation. Um, coyotes are a big factor when it comes to pronghorn; they like to um, predate on the fawns. So we knew that that was changing, and we needed to open up more habitat, um, and in hopes that we would get pronghorn from somewhere to, to start bolstering those populations and increase them here.
1: How much habitat have you guys opened up? Not just in 18A. Do you, do you know what that number is?
2: You know, I don't know what that number looks like for the state. I know what it looks like for our region in our region. We've done, um, we started this in about 2009. So just over 10 years ago. And it, the funding initially was kind of slow. in the first grouping of projects we did about four forty five thousand forty five hundred acres of of treatments. and then in the current process we're doing in eighteen a we've already treated almost fourteen thousand acres. Wow yeah, it's a Wowza. lot of land
1: and even though you've you've done the fourteen thousand acres of restoration, your antelope numbers are still going down?
2: Yes yeah due to only due to the drought um the the fawns can't survive. There's no habitat that's growing for the fawns to to have cover in, so the the mm. predation is increasing. Mm-hmm. It's just a really tough landscape for pronghorn to live in.
1: Okay, so drought. so if that's the case, did we just make a mess by adding another thirty three?
2: No, actually, we just increased the genetic diversity in, in the herd. We increased um, the area that has pronghorn in it. And those pronghorn will be healthier because they have an, a new influx of of changes and they have more habitat to use.
1: It'll be interesting because there we're all 33 collared. I can't remember the number of collars that were no, on them. No,
2: only 14 have collars. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a much higher percentage than we normally collar in a translocation. Mm-hmm. So that's thanks to you guys.
1: No, um, we're excited to get the data. You know, to see range data, and obviously from a biologist's perspective, you don't know this about me, but I have a PhD in in wetland ecology and aquatic oh. biogeochemistry, and nice. um, I did a little bit of obviously a little bit of wildlife work when I was back in South Africa. And collaring data is good data, especially you know, understanding mortality, which is what you're, you're talking about, right? Is coyote yeah. mortality, you know, what happens? Did they survive? And I assumed all have survived. Have, have well, we seen any mortality?
2: No, we have had some mortality. Um, we initially had a doe that we were watching. We thought she'd been injured during the capture. Mm-hmm. Um, she came out of the trailer okay, but within mm-hmm. the first day she perished. Um, and so that was likely capture related. Mm -hmm. and then we've lost three more does since then so we've lost four of our 14 collars already all of those we believe. all of the ones
1: that had collars
2: on them well we don't know what happened to the ones without collars oh that's right (laughs) so we can only track the ones with collars and um we believe it's all been predation events on those those does you know these pronghorn were definitely at a a lack of, they didn't have a whole lot of advantage, you know, they were depredation pronghorn that they were going to remove in some fashion in Utah anyway. And mm-hmm. so to bring them down to Arizona, any portion of them that survive means we did something good. 100%. 1000%. Um, so they are moving in places we didn't expect them to. I think that's a factor of them not being able to find the pretty ag fields that they were that they had available to them in Utah. Um, they'll settle into the areas. They're using the previous treated areas that we did in 2009. They've moved into those locations. so we know that that was successful. Um, but we have had predation. So mm-hmm. it's adult predation so that it's good information to have. We don't ever expect to have complete 100% survival on translocations.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that's the reality of the, of the situation, right? Is that a lot of people are like, oh, you translocated 33, they're going to survive, 33 are going to survive. But no, the reality on the ground is that you do have some incidental mortality and also then reality mortality, if you want to call it reality mortality, right. which is, you know, just day in and day out survival of the fittest, essentially.
2: We have, uh, we actually already have pronghorn collared in this location. We've been following them to see where they're moving so we could target our our treatments to those areas. And we've seen about, not quite as high, but about the same adult mortality rates that we're seeing on the pronghorn we have collared. Hmm. So it is a little higher, but it's not, it's not unreasonably high. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Erin, give a little bit of history and context to, um, and I'm assuming you were involved in it, um, and if you aren't, then uh, we'll only get a, a, as much information as you know, um, of how this came about, like how this whole project came about.
2: Well, what I know of it is that Utah called our Phoenix office and said, we have pronghorn. Do you guys want them? And so we had a meeting and we discussed, um, you know, based on what the habitat looks like in Arizona right now, can some of these pronghorn survive if we move them here? Do we have places where we need some genetics, some increased numbers, places we think that the pronghorn will be useful? And and so we told Utah, sure, we'll take them. And uh, And as
1: you said, they were under a depredation permit anyway, right? They were going to get taken out by farmers or by the local biologists.
2: Right. So in some fashion, a percentage of these animals were going to already be removed. And so to bring them down here and put them in places where we thought they could help our populations was a, an easy yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and did, then you,
1: did you get to go up and do the capture? I did. Amazing. Yes,
2: I, I, I got to go. So that was lucky.
1: Well, you did one better than I did because I didn't get to go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was cold. Tell me about it. Well, it was an adventure for me. Um, I've never had you done
1: anything like that before.
2: I've been on a few captures before, but I've never been the logistics hauling the actual trailers that we were going to put the pronghorn in and then bringing them back to Arizona. That was all new for me. Um, And you knew they were
1: coming to your area, right?
2: Yes, I did know that our location was the priority. and so that we were going to get them first, at, depending on how many we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we drove up there with our trailers in the snow, which was yeah, you had like uneventful. a lizard hit, right? Was, yes. Just as
1: you were going up there.
2: Yes, it was exciting. It was terrifying for me, but it was exciting. And then we met up with the Utah folks and had a staging area where we we processed the animals. And so they went out with helicopters. And did what we call net gunning, where they shoot a net out over the pronghorn and they capture it and they bring to us for processing. Then we check them all over to see if they're healthy, if they have any injuries. Um, Some of the does we check to see if if they were pregnant. Um, We drew blood off of them for disease sampling. And then they all get a tag in their ear so we can identify them in the field. And then the ones that we can, we also put a collar on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Load them in the trailer, bring them back to Arizona, and release them, usually in the morning, uh, so that they have a full day of the ability to move around and and find locations. We release them near water so that they can find that readily um, and move into their new habitat.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were fortunate enough to send um, a cinematographer on right? the ground. Did you get to meet Ben?
2: I did. Yes, I did. So
1: Ben is legitimately like one of the one could be one of the best photographers in the state of Arizona.
2: He had a great time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was sending me videos and I was like, you bastard, I, I, <laughs> stop sending me videos. Yeah. Um, but the photo, the photographs are amazing. Um, I don't think I've actually shared them with, Arizona gave him fish commission yet, but um, they're incredible. And I saw the first cut of the little documentary film that we're going to put together for it. Oh. So we're nearly done with that, too.
2: Awesome. That will be exciting to see. I look forward yeah.
1: to that. Yeah, the pictures are, again, Ben is stunning. And I told him I wanted, you know, people, the people of the of the expedition. And the other thing that uh, was surprising is that the helicopter pilots were South Africans.
2: Yeah. There's several different companies that we can work with, and one of them is a group from South Africa. Yeah,
1: you'll find us everywhere.
2: We're <laughs> slowly
1: infiltrating the world.
2: That's okay.
1: <laughs> so what's the what's the future like, Erin? What's the future like for pronghorn antelope in in eighteen a? Like, talk to me a little bit more about continued habitat restoration efforts, trickle tanks, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, so we have planned another. Um, we have another two and a half years on this project, so we're hoping. And we got kind of a slow start, so we're hoping. Now, what to do you date. mean you've
1: got two and a half years on this project? What is this project?
2: This project we, we're calling it the Unit 18A Habitat Initiative, and it's a it's a funded project. I mean, we have two and a half more years of funding, mm-hmm. so it's it's funding that we can put on the ground for habitat treatments we can do fence projects, we can remove fences, we can fix fences, we can help with water distribution on the landscape, Um, we can do predator removal, um, uh, surveys, and then collaring animals to see where we want to put those treatments and and what they're doing out there on the landscape. So we've got another um, up to 50,000 acres we want to treat We probably won't get that done. Um, We have a new catchment we're planning to build, um, a water development in in a portion where the pronghorn, we know the pronghorn are using, where they need Mm -hmm. water. We've done 12 miles of fence removal or modification, and we have many more miles planned. So that's fun. That's with an antelope group that is coming out helping us with the fence projects. And then we're working with some deer groups and some elk groups on the project. So it's it's got a lot of support and we're really excited about it.
1: Well, we were excited to be a part of the project in in some small capacity and, and being able to just, you know, tell the truth. I don't know how much, if you'd ever heard of Blood Origins before, you were told you were getting on a Blood Origins podcast. <laughs> Um, but all we're really interested in doing is just showcasing the work that you guys do because the work that you do is paid by you know Pittman Robertson dollars, which is funded by sportsmen and sportswomen through ammunition purchases, rifle purchases, hunting apparel, license fees, tag fees. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't know the kind of stuff that you're talking about. I bet you. 95% of Arizonans don't realize that you've improved almost 50,000 acres of habitat specifically for pronghorn antelope recovery.
2: Right. And and I would just like to point out that while we use those peer dollars normally for that kind of stuff, that when we get donations from people like you um, and, and the group from Wisconsin, that that just increases the amount of things that we can do on the landscape because we can – put additional funds towards some project out there to improve habitat. And it's amazing. So thank you guys for that. We, we do really appreciate that, that partnership.
1: No, it's our, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Let me ask this question as we, as we wrap up, cause I knew this was going to be a quick, short, sharp podcast, just about the project itself, because we're going to drop this podcast right about the time that we dropped the film. Awesome. So it's all going to tie together all these different pieces of content. Yes. Uh, Aaron, do you hunt?
2: I do. Yes, I do. I enjoy hunting. Born
1: and raised a hunter?
2: I was, yes, I was born into a hunting family. I did not start hunting until college. Um, Why? I am, my my dad is a quail hunter. He's a small game hunter and I'm terrible with a shotgun. And so he kind of gave up on me at a young age. And then I, I took it up in college when I started hunting with my brother. Um, and then after I got with the department and married my husband and had some more time to to dedicate to it, we we that's husband what we do. Hunts. My husband hunts, yes. We archery hunt. Um and I really enjoy that. That's good. That's a great part of my world.
1: Where'd you get your wildlife degrees?
2: Uh, University of Arizona in Tucson.
1: Okay. Awesome. Yes.
2: Born and raised awesome. in Arizona. I don't born raised,
1: ever- studied there, and now you're a, a terrestrial director of a, of a region for Arizona Game and Fish Department.
2: Yes. I love it.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Well, we need people, more people like you that love the resource, love the land. And, uh, you know, we just want to be able to showcase again. We just want to showcase the great work that you do. That's all we want to do. And show the world, specifically non-hunters, that, hey. You know who's who? Who are the people doing this kind of restoration? It's not the Peters of the world. It's not the Humane Societies of the world. It's it's the hunters of the world.
2: Yeah, conservationists and and people that use that kind of equipment that the PR dollars come from that we tax. So it's got a big support system, but they don't they don't all realize what they're paying for.
1: Hundred percent, Erin. You've been a champ.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.